When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. And welcome to the show. For today's podcast, I have a little bit of movie news with me for tonight. I have Perry Jenkins, Wonder Woman 1984, plot details, and her future at Warner Brothers. We're going to be talking about that. Shia LaBeouf dropped a new trailer just recently. As a matter of fact, it's actually directed by David Ear. If you don't know who David Ear is, he actually directed End of Watch, Suicide Squad, and a couple of other movies. But anyways... Shia LaBeouf stars in The Tax Collector. I'm going to be talking about that. I'm going to do a trailer review for that. Then, Billy Butch to get his own short film. If you don't know who Billy Butch is, he's actually a character on Amazon Prime's The Boys. If you do not know what The Boys is or anything like that, check that show out. That that show is so great. I'm going to be honest with you. It is a great comic book movie. It's not a DC property or a Marvel property or anything like that. Go ahead and check that out. Then Constantine is going to be getting a remake, and that's actually a rumor, so slow your roll before you start saying, no one can actually play that role by Keanu, and I can actually agree with you on that aspect, but it's actually just a rumor, so we're going to be talking about that in a few minutes. Then, for our main topic, animated movies that are not for kids. So, I'm going to go off the cuff, maybe talk about maybe one, maybe two movies from this, but I might actually make this a part of a top 10 show in the future. So that's why that segment might be a little bit shorter than usual. But we're still going to cover it. And another thing too is I actually have a little bit of an announcement to make. And this is actually something that I'm excited about. And that is the fact that I'm going to be having Daniel Lloyd on the show Saturday. If you do not know who Daniel Lloyd is, he's actually was an assistant director for the hit TV show Vikings on the History Channel. And it's just going to be an honor and a privilege to be able to have him on the show. We're going to do maybe three questions for an interview. Then after that, we're going to go into our top ten list of movies that actually made us cry. And then we might actually talk a little bit of UFC since there's actually a UFC match that night uh, that night as well because I'm a UFC fan. So we're going to be talking about that. So let's go on ahead and get on with the show, shall we? So Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman 1984... And, like I said, there's some plot details in this as well. And she was actually interviewed with Empire uh, Magazine. And this is what she had to say. And I have to say, I liked her comments on this. She goes, what I love about the Amazon Olympic is everything that we got to really celebrate in the first movie, Jenkins said. Here are these people who are incredibly powerful and capable, but different in how they approach things. If you've been training for hundreds of years... Because of an in, impending envision, you're going to be constantly working on all these skill sets. So to me, every year they would have these Olympics to see who's doing the best on horses or swimming the fastest and seeing new tricks people have figured out. While driving back in the world of Demetra, the, the I, I want to say... I'm sorry if I'm butchering that, but for a flashback. So we're actually going to get a little bit of a flashback and everything from where um, Diane actually came from again. And I'm actually like that. And another thing, too, is uh, the best on, on horses swimming. 
Well, driving back into the world of the, for a flashback, Jenkins revealed that there are currently talks to further revisit Wonder Woman's homeland as an animated series focused on the Amazons on Amazons is currently being explored as well as a spin-off film that would be part of the enrolled story of Wonder Woman. You're enjoying the movie you're making and also reflecting on what could be different or better in the real world. And therefore, that story you want to tell, Jenkins said. That's the greatest thing to me about superhero stories. You're able to have a dialogue about a hero would be right now. So, yes, I have ideas for what I like to say and Gal does too. So, here's the thing. I remember a while back and everything I reported that Pan Jenkins might want to actually take a little bit of a break from uh, the Wonder Woman project and stuff like that. But it seems like now she might actually have a little bit more of a passion behind her and everything, especially with this corona mess and everything. So maybe she actually decided to go ahead and say, hey, you know what? I want to go on ahead. I want to continue on with the story of Wonder Woman, which I'm completely okay with because I really enjoyed the, the very first Wonder Woman movie. As a matter of fact, Meg, Wonder Meg and I did a review on Wonder Woman. You can actually check that out on the podcast. But, you know, I really felt like that she actually understood who Wonder Woman is and how she actually did the backstory, especially with Steve Trevor. I felt like she actually captured the heart of who Wonder Woman is. Now, I don't know how this new Wonder Woman 1984 movie is, but I'm still excited about seeing that. And the whole fact, too, that they actually want to put the Olympics kind of stuff into it. A little bit more of a flashback scene with Diane. Maybe she's missing her her homeland a little bit, and she's reflecting back onto her past a little bit. Especially in 1984, which I really like. I'm glad that they're actually re- that we're actually visiting a Cold War. And I find that funny because she was actually in a World War one kind of scenario and everything and now she's into the cold war which i really like and if you don't know me on this podcast i'm a huge history buff but i like the fact that they're actually using the cold war as a way to actually put on uh, diane in this kind of situation so i really like that idea but you know i really have to say i think that patty jenkins is going to do a good job with that part and then also too they want to do an animated series and stuff like uh animated part of of the movie as well. So I like the fact that they actually want to do something animated and then also bring it into a canon kind of scenario where they might want to do a live action type of thing with it. So I'm totally fine with them actually expanding out with more Wonder Woman stuff. That actually makes me a lot more excited to see what Patty Jenkins actually has in store for us. Because I feel, like I said, I feel like that she embodied what Wonder Woman is. She actually knows the material. She knows the mythology behind Wonder Woman. She understands Diane's character. She understands what Diane would do in a certain situation and everything. And I feel like Gal Gadot can actually bring some type of life into future work. So maybe that's also another thing, too, is maybe she's actually, uh, Gal Gadot is actually telling Patty Jenkins, look, maybe we can expand this a little bit more on this end for an animated series. And then maybe we can break into continue off where the animation went and then we can continue it off into a live action event kind of thing which i'm okay with if they do decide to go down that road but if not if they want to go on ahead and do a animation type of thing where you actually have a uh have a canon thing off of that i'm perfectly fine with that as well but either way it goes it makes me excited to know that we're actually getting more wonder woman stuff 
because I'm a huge Wonder Woman fan. I cannot wait until Wonder Woman 1984 comes out. I think that this is going to be just as good as the very first Wonder Woman movie is. And not only that, but Patty Jenkins knows what she's doing. You need to act, If you haven't seen a good Patty Jenkins movie aside from Wonder Woman, check out the movie Monster with Christina Ricci because that movie is really fantastic. And not only that, but, you know, there it's about this prostitute that winds up sleeping with these men and then she winds up killing them for their money. And then, of course, Christina Ricci plays the love interest of the prostitute and everything. It's it's really good. It just shows the manipulation of what this woman did to the character of Chris, what Christina Ricci played. So I I think that you guys should go on ahead and check that out if you haven't seen the movie Monster. But anyways, let me go on ahead and talk about Shia Buff's new movie called The Tax Collector. So when this movie opens up, it opens up in a kind of like a John Wick kind of fashion because you actually talk you actually have a character that is talking about Shia LaBeouf's character. And basically, he goes around collecting tax money from gangsters. And this other character is saying, if you, here's the thing, if this guy comes at you, you need to go on ahead and pay him, or you need to rob a bank, or you need to go on ahead and try some means to pay this guy, or else you're dead. And I like the fact that they actually brought in a little bit of a more of a little bit of a John Wick kind of flavor to it, where you actually have Shia LaBeouf be, kind of being the Bobby Yeager kind of thing, but he's a tax collector who's actually collecting debts that gangsters actually owe. And who would have thought that gangsters would actually owe tax collectors money, dirty co- tax collectors at that? And I found that kind of interesting that Shia LaBeouf played this kind of character. And I think that David Ayer actually might have the best out of Shia LaBeouf for this type of movie, for this type of role. And I think Shia is actually going to deliver as he always does because I think Shia is a great actor when it comes down to certain roles and everything too, especially with uh, Borg versus McEnroe. There's also Honey Boy. Those movies were really good. And Peanut Butter Falcon. Those are the three independent films that I really have to say that was really knockout performances that Shia LaBeouf has done. I like the movie Fury as well. So if you haven't seen those four movies, I strongly recommend that you actually see those movies. But it gets me pumped up to know that there's a new Shia LaBeouf movie coming out. And he's actually playing a tax collector who's collecting money for the for these gangsters type people. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see this. I'm actually excited to see how this is actually going to go down. I'm wondering if he's going to make it through the whole movie. I wonder how badass he's going to be in this movie as well. Because... He kind of has this Denzel Washington type of feel to it. And not not saying that he's playing a Denzel Washington type of character or he's mimicking Denzel Washington. But if you actually look at the way that he's actually doing stuff and everything, though, I mean, he actually has that grittiness that Denzel had in Training Day. And I that's that gives me chills just knowing that Shia is doing this kind of movie. And I'm glad he's doing serious roles and he's able to actually give us something that's actually different from what he normally gives us. So I can't wait to see this movie. I can't. uh, This is actually going to be fantastic. Uh, Like I said, I think David Ayer picked the right guy. So let's go on ahead and talk about Billy Butch to get his own short film. Now, like I said, if you're not familiar with the boys or anything like that, you might want to just tune me out for a while because I'm going to 
tell you this. I love the boys. I love the writing for the boys. If you don't know what the boys are, boys is or whatever, it's about this team of superheroes that were born with superpowers. It kind of sounds like My Hero Academia, kind of, if you're into anime kind of thing. But there's actually twists and turns as to how they actually become superheroes and everything that I'm not going to get into spoilers territory with that. I might actually do a spoiler review or a non-spoiler review for the boys because I've been wanting to talk about the boys forever. But Billy the Butch was probably one of my favorite characters on the show. As a matter of fact, he was one of my favorite characters on the show. But, you know, another thing, too, that I want to mention is this. I'm going to give you a little bit of a plot scenario of the boys real quick before I actually jump into Billy the Butch. And that is the fact that Billy the... Um, it starts off where this guy and this girlfriend are standing on the sidewalk. And all of a sudden, this speedster just comes out of nowhere and just plows right through her. And doesn't even stop. And next thing you know it, she's into obliterings. You see blood and gore and everything. And he's still holding her hands. And that's all she, That's all he has. And the speedster just goes, sorry. And then speeds off like nothing even happened. That actually gives the motivation for revenge on superheroes for this guy. And you can't help but get mad at the way the government and our officials were actually treating the situation and everything, just trying to pay the guy off. Um, the pay the guy off like he was like this never even happened. So I actually like the spin that they actually did with this whole entire superhero uh, bit. But Billy the Butch is one of my favorite characters on the show. And speaking with Collider, uh, Frosty ended up interviewing uh, the actor that played. Um, that winded up playing him. And they said, this is what he said. They goosed up our budget a bit, said Kripke. And that's, that's time, that time buys you the ability. And it doesn't just mean huge action scenes. It does mean some of those. We have some huge sequences. There are larger sea, sea mammals. There are, there is some bigger stuff for sure. But there are also a lot more intense stuff and scenes that are, were really difficult for the actors emotionally and require a bit more time. It's not just the visuals that are epic. I think the emotions are a little more epic this season and that just takes some TLC with the actors. So here's the thing. If they're going to give us a backstory on Billy the Butch, I'm excited for that. And everything, and I like the fact that there's more in the budget, not just for visual effects or anything like that, but more characterization to where we can actually expand on the character of Billy the Butch, to where we can actually get a little short film, maybe doing a little bit more of his origin story to explain where he came from, why he hates superheroes so much, why, what's the motivation, we already know the motivation, but actually to see the motivation step in place of that, I would love to see that. I would like to actually see the motivation behind everything with Billy the Butch. And also, too, I mean, like I said before, this show is perfectly well done, perfectly well executed. Not only that, but the writing is just better and better with every with every episode that you actually watch. So, you know, The Boys is definitely a show that I strongly recommend that you guys check out for the originality behind it. Billy the Butch is one of those wise-ass people. If you're into wise-ass characters who who's also a drunkard and who also just doesn't give a shit about 
how you think or how you act or anything like that, and he's just a total damn right douchebag or whatever. This this character's for you. Because I I mean, here's the thing. I really like this character for who he is. He's tells he's pretty much straight up with what he thinks. He doesn't care about what people think of him. And, you know, I really like that. He's his bluntness is something that I really admire a lot within this show. And like I said, they're giving them a bigger budget to actually do more stuff. And not just visually, but for storytelling. And here's the, here's my thing. I like TV shows that go more... That gives a budget for storytelling versus visual effects. Because sometimes the visual effects can actually take you out of a TV show or a movie. And everything was just more geared towards... Um, visual effects. That's what happened with Jupiter Ascending. That's why I didn't like Jupiter Ascending because they spent more money on their budget on special effects rather than plot. So that's why I didn't care for Jupiter Ascending. So that's another thing too. I like the fact that they said, hey, look, we have a bigger budget, but that does not mean visual effects. It means that we can actually do more with making my character grow. We can actually make him do more things or make other characters do more things to interact with Billy. So I'm liking what I'm hearing. I'm excited about what I'm hearing. To know the fact that there's some meat on the bone to actually have more Billy the Butch and everything. I'm I'm excited. This is actually something that's uh, that's a positive for me. I can't think of why it would be a negative or anything like that because the show is just fantastic. So, now I'm going to be talking about a little bit of movie news that might actually get some people riled up. But, just remember this. I love Keanu Reeves. I love Keanu Reeves as an actor. I loved him in Constantine. That film still holds up today. And everything, even though it came out in like 05 or 07, somewhere around that timeline. But, the, the visual effects to me still holds up and stuff like that, but let me just tell you this, it is a rumor right now that Constantine is going to be uh, part of the J.J. Abrams universe with Justice League Dark, so consider the fact that it's a new director, it's been so many years since we got our very first Constantine movie, it's time to reboot, but why can't we just have Keanu Reeves in this version. I mean, it, to me, it would actually be fitting, but hey, I'm not the writer, I'm not a director or anything like that, I'm not a casting agent. But it would be beneficial for Keanu to be in this movie. But another thing, too, is this is not even coming from a legit source and everything. This is actually, everyone that had reported it, but the actual source is called the direct. And they reported there are strong rumors about the development of a new live-action Constantine film. Reportedly, it'll be conjunction with J.J. Abrams and Bad Robot, who are also developing the big-budget live-action HBO Max Justice League Dark adaptation, of which Sabronic Magic user Constantine is a member. However, the exact relationship between the two, te- two seems unclear. It'll be the same actor or another version Ella Ezra Miller, uh, Ezra Miller and Grant Gustin's simulation portrays of the superhero flashed on him in TV respectfully. So, here's another thing, too. We actually had a TV version of, of Constantine on Ar- the Arrowverse and everything as well. But, I'm going to be honest with you, since it's going to be on HBO Max, we already know what HBO can do with 
live adaptations of comic book movies like The Watchmen. Well, live adaptations of uh, TV shows. And especially with Doom Patrol. We got, we've seen what they can do with that. We saw what they can do with The Watchmen. Imagine what they can do with Justice League Dark. And here's the thing. Some people may not agree with me, and that's okay. But I have to be honest to you guys. So, this is just my perspective. Take it for what it is. But, to me, you have to look at the universe that the directors and writers are actually trying to place certain characters for this TV show. And if it's actually right for that actor to be in that TV show. And I get, I know that there's a lot of people that actually love the the actor from the Arrowverse because I liked him as an, as Constantine. I know there's people like me also who likes Keanu Reeves, but it's all about placement and where you can actually put this actor if the script is actually right for that actor. And we're all guilty of it. We're all guilty of saying, well, why couldn't they just put this person in or that person in and everything? I totally get that. I totally understand that. But sometimes it's okay just to let it marinate a little bit. Take a little breather. Take a little step back from everything. And look at what's in front of you. And here's the thing. You have to look at the universe that the studios are trying to go in with. Uh, You have to look at the placement of that character. Where they're doing it with the writing. And if it's actually right for the actor to be continuing the, the character of Constantine. So, here's my thing. I'm okay if they go on ahead and recast. Will I be disappointed that I won't get Keanu Reeves or the actor from the Arrowverse version of Constantine or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I'll be disappointed. But I can guarantee you that the story might be ten times better than what we ever thought about. Because, here's the thing. HBO Max is is getting ready to be a monster pretty soon of an app. Because right now, you have Doom Patrol right now. That just opened up for the second season. Doom Patrol is a fantastic show as well. I strongly recommend that show. I might actually... I'm going to try my best to actually finish that show out. So that way I can do a review on it. But... You know, if you're looking for a good comic book DC type of show... I recommend Doom Patrol. But... Look at the Watchmen. Look at what they've done. But... Here's the thing. I think that... We're going to get something that's even better... For this... And also, too, like I said, HBO Max is getting ready to be a monster right now. Because, like I said, you have Doom Patrol, you have The Watchmen on there. But you are also going to be getting a Green Lantern show. Which is something that we weren't even expecting to even have. So, to actually know, the tantalization of actually knowing that we're actually going to be getting a Green Lantern show in a couple of years. Hey, sign me up. We're actually getting a Snyder Cut of Justice League, which we never thought would actually happen, and is actually happening, which makes me even more sweaty, and the fact that we're getting a Justice League dark onto a smaller screen, yeah, but we're actually going to be able to get characters better fleshed out and everything versus a two and a half hour movie and everything. You're not saying that they can't do it with a two and a half hour movie or anything like that, but your characters are being better fleshed out. You're getting a better understanding of these characters. You're understanding where they actually come from. You're, they're actually focusing on the origins of each character with flashbacks or whatever they're trying to do. So I feel I feel comfortable at knowing that J.J. Abrams' bad, rob- bad robot is taking over this thing. But right now, like I said, it's a rumor. We just need to calm down for a little bit, take a little bit of a breather, 
and see what they're actually going to give us rather than just saying, well, how dare they just do that? They shouldn't be remaking this or anything like that. Here's the thing. It's been 2005, 2007 since we got Keanu Reeves as Constantine. Usually around that time and everything, it's time to reboot. They're ready to reboot something. So, you know, if they're actually, and this is what I also said too, I feel like if they're going to reboot something or anything like that, Constantine needs to be in this group in the in the TV show because it actually makes sense for him to be in that TV show versus doing a movie right now if since they're actually just doing a TV series. So that's just my thoughts on it. Tell me what you guys think. I could be wrong. It's not going to be the first time I'm wrong about anything. But, you know, I'm just kind of curious. What do you guys think about that? Because, like I said, I'm open-minded towards differences in opinion. I'm open-minded towards... Uh, the fact that, you know, this universe might be different than what we got from the other two versions of Constantine. And they can actually explore the characters a lot more. So, let me know what you guys have to say about that. So, next up, I'm going to be talking about animated movies that are not for kids. Now, in 1992... I'm going to go on ahead and go into my little bit of experience with this. Because in 1992, Brad Pitt played in a little movie called Cool World. And in Cool World, it had Ken Basinger as um, as one of the hot babes at that time. Uh, in the animated kind of fashion. But, you know, she played a... a matter of fact, she played a character named... Dolly, I believe. And in that whole entire thing, you know, she winds up falling in love with this guy named, yeah, her name is Holly. Uh, Hollywood is not W O O D, W O U D, W O U L D, Hollywood. But here's the thing that movie is totally not for kids. I remember going into the movie theaters in Boston at that time as a kid going to see this film and there's just something about me whenever it comes down to some type of darkness and something like that even as a kid because I remember telling my mom I wanted to see Edward Scissorhands and I was like nine or ten years old when Edward Scissorhands came out and I loved the gothic feel to that movie as a as a kid and so I went to see that movie and that movie is pro- is not for kids either to be honest with you but it just seems like I was gravitated towards a little bit of a darker perspective on certain films that I don't even know why. But still. But this is what the film is actually about. If you guys actually want to check it out, if you don't know what Cool World is, it actually, like I said, it stars Brad Pitt, it stars uh, Ken Basinger. But after a bizarre incident, Frank Harris, Brad Pitt, is transported into the cartoon realm of Cool World. Where he remains the only human among various animated characters for years. Eventually, artist Jack Deebs, who's played by Gabrielle Bryan, and, and uh, also enters Cool World, insists the lustful sights on his own creation. A blonde bombshell named Hollywood, played by Kim Basinger, however, excessive between cartoons and humans, and is said to lead. To, uh, to dire consequences, a risk Jack seems to ready to take. So, 
this movie is sexualization towards um towards females as well. This is also about a guy who's down on his luck as well. He's also does a lot of doodling and whatever he draws actually comes to life within that cool world setting and he actually gets zapped into this world over and over again. But Dollywood not Dollywood, but Hollywood winds up pulling him in every single time. And he thinks that she's infatuated with him. But she's just using him to get into our world and everything. So the way she can actually make our world look like Cool World. And it's, I'm going to be honest with you. Not that many people actually liked Cool World or anything like that. But as coming from a comic book nerd perspective. I enjoyed it. Because of the fact that I love comics for one. Still do to this day. I love the idea of a comic book creator being zapped into this world where he drew these characters and knows how their char- the characters actually act, but he still falls for Dolly. Not Dolly, but Holly. And he still winds up falling for her, but the only person that he didn't draw was Brad Pitt's character who winds up being in this cool, being put in this cool world as a cop and everything because he died. At an early age. Because he had gone into a motorcycle accident. With him and his mom. And basically he's stuck in that world. And that's all he knows now. Is that world. So he's pretty much putting the. Uh, you can't have sex with doodles. You can't. There's actually laws and stuff like that. With uh, where Jack can't. Have sex with Hollywood. There's actually. Uh, a love interest that Brad Pitt has. That's actually a doodle. And she wants to be with him. But he knows that he can't be with her. There's a lot of mental health stuff. That goes along with this movie. And stuff like that too. That it's dark. It's very dark. When you look at this film as a whole. And there's even some gothic kind of settings. And there's also the ink work in this film. Like I said. This movie was not well perceived. But I still had fun watching this film. And like I said before, this is actually going to be a little bit of a short review on on this film. Because I might actually come back to this later on and just do a flat out cool world review. But I just want to do at least maybe one or two uh, mentions of animated movies that are not for kids. Because of the fact that I want to probably do a top 10 show out of it. But I know I talk about this film a lot. I know that you might get tired of me talking about this film. But I'm, I'm an 80s kid. You know, I'm, I'm an 80s kid. I grew up in the... I, I was born in 85. I'm, you do the math. But I remember my mom letting me watch The Secret of Nim. And The Secret of Nim is one of the most darkest, most brutal mouse movies that you can actually let your kid watch during that time because of how haunting it is. Like I said, I think that might have actually had something to do with why movies like that didn't really bother me at all as a kid because of the fact that I was always used to dark tones, especially with All Dogs Go to Heaven, like the Frenchie mentioned for his top 10 animated films and everything. So I really have to say that... That is something that really impacted me as a kid. And, you know, I think that is one thing that I can say. I was always attracted to animation 
when it came down to some type of darkness within it and everything. So that's my thoughts on Secret of Nim. I, if, as a matter of fact, I might actually go on ahead and mention the plot details for newer uh, newer listeners in case you guys don't know what it's about. But it's about Miss Brisby, a widowed mouse, must move her children out of their home in a field before the local farmer starts plowing. Unable to leave because her son is ill, Miss Brisby see- seeks the help of a nearby of nearby rats who have heightened intelligence. After being the subject of scientific experiments, she receives an unexpected gift from the other rat, Nicodemus. Derek J- Jacoby. Soon, Mrs. Brisby is caught in the conflict among the rats and jeopardizing her mission to save her family. So, like I said, you're dealing with a lot of darkness. You have someone that's actually a mouse trying to protect her kid who's actually ill, trying to protect her family before this, uh, before the field actually become, uh, from a local farmer starts plowing. It is one of the it is horrifying, at, especially from a mouse perspective, seeing uh, someone m- plow over you and your family and trying to protect them, and then she gets sucked into others' obstacles as well. It is very haunting for a kid to actually watch that film and stuff like that. But me, I liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun as a kid. And things like that. As a matter of fact, my grandmother actually owned it on VHS. I popped it in every once in a while and checked this film out. I still would love to revisit this film. I wish that this film was on Blu-ray because I would actually still watch this film with some popcorn and some soda. Because I really enjoy revisiting my old childhood again. Just to see how those dark tones would actually play play out and everything now. Seeing how the whole entire... Um, Pen and pen, uh, pen and paper kind of style drawing for back then and everything and seeing how that how that actually looks now compared to uh, looking at what we have now. But still, let me know what you guys think about that. Um, I'm like I said, I'm gonna have a guest on coming up this weekend. He's actually the assistant director for vikings and i cannot wait to actually interview him like i said we're gonna do three this is gonna be a very different one-on-one interview just three questions because then i'm gonna have him on again and then we can actually do a full one-on-one interview and then you guys can actually get to know him a little bit better but i cannot wait to actually have daniel lloyd on the show another thing too is i know that i've been mentioning uh film on the rocks which is another podcast i listen to and in the middle of this month, I want to I want to say maybe the fifteenth of July. I'm not sure yet. It's not set in stone, but we know that we want to actually have uh, one of the hosts from Film on the Rocks on the show, and we're going to be reviewing Crawl, and this is going to be a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy these two hosts and everything with their podcast. They do a fantastic job. They do drinking games out of their uh, when they do their reviews and everything, too. And as a matter of fact, they did one for The Patriot, which is a Mel Gibson film. So if you want to actually check that out, go on a hitch, go visit um, Film on the Rocks. They're a lot of fun. I've been listening to them for like the last couple of months. They put out some great comment, uh, content as well. So go on ahead, visit them. Go on ahead, give me a review on my show. 
tell me what you guys think. Also, too, do me another favor, guys. Give me a review on iTunes. It will actually help me with my rankings. Not only that, but it will give other people a chance to actually discover my podcast. And also, too, if you guys want to send me in voicemail messages telling me what kind of topics that you guys actually want to hear, go on ahead and do that and everything. I strongly encourage you guys, go ahead, send me some voicemail messages in. You'll be able to hear them on the next podcast episode. And that's pretty much all that I have for tonight. I hope that you guys enjoyed this little segment that I did about Penny Jenkins, about everything else that I mentioned, that I talked about. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. And tomorrow I'm probably going to do another podcast episode. I just have to decide on what we're gonna, what I'm going to be doing. But as always, until next time, bye-bye, stay safe, make sure you guys disinfect your hands, and also wear your mask so that way we can, get, so that way we can actually lower the curve. And like I said, until next time, bye-bye.